All right. Welcome, AJ. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing real well. Thanks for joining me today. I am very excited to be discussing this topic. I know it's been a massive challenge for you all there at Cleveland Clinic to deal with the healthcare crisis during the pandemic. And I know just yeah, the innovative work that you've had to create with your colleagues there has been an inspiration to, to me as I've become to learn about it. So I'm excited that you're open to share with the community. So if you would, please share a little bit about who you are and your role there at Cleveland Clinic. Sure. Pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is AJ Herman, Executive Director of Strategic Workforce Planning at Cleveland Clinic. Um, a relatively new role and a relatively new team. Um, this was uh, a realization based on the past few years of what the healthcare industry has been going through that um, the telemarkets and the need for human capacity was just outstripping supply. Um, and being in that crisis of the past two years um, has really brought home that we don't want to be in a crisis like that forever. Uh, we want to get ahead of it. Um, and healthcare is very good at dealing with the, the crisis of the day and the crisis of the near future. But looking beyond that is really what um, my leaders at Cleveland Clinic determined we need to do. We need to look over the horizon. Uh, as, as some other industries have been doing pretty well for a while, um, we wanted to be the leader in healthcare at looking down the road in terms of our, of our workforce. So we've stood this program up from scratch over the past year and our, um, you know, uh, it's, it's already become, I think, um, a real feather in the cap of Cleveland Clinic. So we're, we're hoping to keep going. Well, let's get right into it because yeah. a couple quotes uh, that have really impacted me since we've talked about uh, doing the show together is you could not there at Cleveland Clinic, given the sh shortage of talent in healthcare specifically, you could not hire yourselves out of this, nor could you retain yourselves out of this crisis. So what then did you do with yeah. that realization? Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of turning traditional strategic works planning on its head, I think, where, you know, what, as it's been created, it, it relied heavily on proactive hiring you know, or creative hiring or in increasing an employee value proposition. What we've found and others in this industry know, um, we can't hire our way out of this because there are not enough people. And when we look at the, you know, the local talent pool for Cleveland Clinic, if you're a medical professional in our area, you probably already work here, you know? So, <laughs> um, and, and that's just the way it is. And it goes across industries, but if you look at the data um, that the Department of Labor puts out, healthcare is particularly acute in the in the ratio of applicants to vacancies. Um, it's something like you need four healthcare vacancies to have one applicant, um, and, and that's that's unsustainable for what we're going through. But it's certainly not built for growth, right? Because healthcare, clinical healthcare provision, the demand is only going up as the population gets older, um, as places like Cleveland Clinic grow uh, in, in a business sense. Um, so, right, we, we could not hire our way out of the crisis. And traditionally with workforce planning, you say, okay, so we have to keep our current people. So we, you know, bolster retention efforts, which has been very difficult as the past two years, sort of a perfect storm for um, the stress that, that our, our clinical staff, especially nurses, have been going through. 
even if we retain upskill, job sharing, some of those traditional levers that strategic workforce planning has always pulled, if we do both of those things perfectly, we'll still be short. We will wow. still be, we'll still have a capacity gap is what, how I would like to say it. Um, not built for growth and not built to get out of the crisis, to the crisis place. So um, where our department, my team, we think of it differently that, that we pull those levers, but then after we pull those levers, we look at the roles themselves and we break them down. Um, it's what we would call technology and redesign. So if, if we can't find more humans to do the work from, from external, and we can't keep more humans doing the work or retrain folks that we already have internally, you got to think about what are the tasks that that job accomplishes and does a human have to do it? Does that human have to do it? Um, it's role redesign. It's breaking down a role into its individual tasks and then asking yourself two questions. Uh, well, three questions really. Is this an essential task? Do we need to be doing this? Does this person need to be doing this? Could it be done by someone else that we already have? It, could it be combined with another role? And then thirdly, Technology is coming faster than we can, can absorb it. Is there either automation or human augmentation that could take care of that task? Not replace that human, but perhaps make that task either easier or completely automated to free up capacity. And then once we do that, then we look at what are the skills that are required for, for our workforce to make that change, to, to adapt to that. So. You know, it, it, um, it requires a very future focus. This is not, some people think of strategic workforce planning as next quarter or next year. I would call that operational workforce planning. We are looking multiple years into the future, um, to, to do work like that. I think, uh, one phrase that's been here in the, in the community recently, which is, you know, um, more work, fewer jobs. Right? How do we get to a place that, that recognizes that the amount of work that organizations will have to accomplish, tasks that we'll have to accomplish, is not going down. And the, and the work that we're doing is not getting simpler. But we are reaching a point where we can't always say, oh, more work equals more people. Right? Because the math doesn't, it just doesn't add up anymore. Um, so that's the perspective we're trying to take. We pull the traditional levers of workforce planning. We optimize it because that makes people's employee value proposition stronger, makes folks happy, it drives engagement. But then we also say um, we need to take a fresh look at this role in its entirety. Gosh, I, I, I literally got chills as you were sharing. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I was like, gosh, this, this, this has to happen. And I have received pushback over the years when I've introduced similar concepts. We said, number one, we're not there yet. Number right. two, you know, we just need to take care of the here and now. Uh, but there's two questions that I want to focus on. Number one, the governance around this, because when you talk about technology, it screams, you know, IT and groups that are often outside of HR that are impacting right. work and how work gets done. And the other is the connection between operational workforce planning and strategic workforce planning. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, there is a relationship there. What you do in the here and now affects downstream and what you plan on doing downstream affects what you do in you know, the short term. Is that how you see it as well? I do. Yeah. And, and you're right, the governance and 
ownership is a word that we use a lot on the team. Like mm -hmm. who, who owns, who owns the plan once it's completed, who owns the execution of that? And that's has to be very organizational specific, uh, specific to the organization structure. But I'll say, um, what's interesting about building a workforce planning team in a, in an industry that does not usually do it is I don't have people that have done workforce planning before, right? Uh, we, we do skill-based hiring on my team and it's worked exceptionally well because we have a diverse skills, people from finance, continuous improvement, enterprise analytics, um, not a lot of, um, we don't have a strong HR background. So we don't actually think of strategic workforce planning as an HR function. We think of it as an enterprise um, strategic unit. Uh, but what we've been talking about on the team as we get everyone onboarded and, and, and get momentum is this is simultaneously the best time and worst time to be doing strategic course planning. It's the best time because leaders outside of human resources who are unfamiliar with this now immediately get why it's important. Hmm. Very in their face, right? Because hmm. they look at their turnover, they look at their metrics, they look at their news sources and they see the great resignation in the headlines every day. From that standpoint, it's the stock price of strategic workforce planning has never been higher, right? Everyone wants it. Everyone, you know, we get pinged a lot from other organizations saying, how are you doing this? We, we realize now that we need this and we need to take it seriously. It's not a side project. Um, it's also the worst time because, because of those same dynamics, it's difficult. It's very challenging. So the benefit that we've experienced at Cleveland Clinic is that our leaders um, in the clinical space, in our executive space now say, I get why this is so important. We don't have to explain our why very often or very in depth. So they say they're open to new methodologies and new data sets that they might not have been in the past. Um, a really crucial thing that we've been laying out as groundwork when we start a planning engagement is you've probably said no to things in the past that you need to reconsider hmm. because the, the chessboard has changed. Mm -hmm. So if there had been, there's probably been discussions in all your organizations about, you know, upskilling, flexible work assignments, um, internship programs, all the sorts of things that maybe you said no to, or you said not yet or not now for whatever reason, you need to dust those off. And that's, that's mm -hmm. what we're doing because especially the place like Cleveland Club been around for a hundred years, um, we've had a lot of exceptional ideas over the years that might just not have been perfect for that time. So we're revisiting those things. And uh, that's gone pretty well for us because people are, are open to that and they're saying yes. Um, so governance wise, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it still is a, a conversation of, okay, we will bring insights to you. We will bring planning to you, but this is your plan, right? What's helped is that I think the people analytics community, the strategic workforce planning community has upped their game in recent years. And the technology, the data that we bring to the table is more advanced than it was even five years ago. So mm -hmm. when I go to my, you know, the chair of a clinical institute that does, you know, heart surgery, and they are used to some exceptional data, some exceptional insights, and I can bring them things that they're frankly not used to seeing from human resources. They're not yeah. used to seeing exceptional insights from external vendors. So that's another thing that helps us get through that governance hurdle or that sort of um, buy-in 
that they they see what I can bring in terms of no, I've I've plotted out the role redesign. I can show you the trends. I can show you the career trajectories. I can show you emerging technology that you're going to be using three years from now, and what that means for your roles and your hiring and your retention, all that stuff. And it's a real nice sort of okay, you're my partner now. And <laughs> it, you know, there's that old joke like that we used to be HR with an opinion, right? People analytics or workforce planning, HR with an opinion. It's it's much more than that now. We are, it's much more of a seat at the table because we have upped our game in terms of insights. Yeah. And yeah, thank you for sharing that because I couldn't agree more. And it's also the case where not only do they need us, but they're seeing us as critical to their success and the organization's success, like you were alluding to. But I want to get to the data that you mm -hmm. mentioned um, in a second, but I want to kind of wrap up the governance um, yeah. uh, conversation a little bit because I want to understand your work day-to-day -day. Mm -hmm. like do you have a governance committee uh do mm. you uh, engage your stakeholders on a daily basis weekly basis i mean what what's the frequency the meeting rhythm and what insight are you generating because you mentioned an engagement you know are there projects that you go yeah. to and for who do you do those projects yeah i'll caveat all of this by saying we're learning as we go uh where you know we're um we use a phrase, you know, it's iron sharpens iron or steel sharpens steel, that every engagement we do um, improves the next one, right? Because we're still something of a startup. Everything is a startup when your organization is 100 years old. Everything is a startup in comparison, right? Um, so uh, we are, we do think of them in terms of engagements, similar to what a consulting firm um, would, and that's how we're structured. We don't call ourselves consultants because uh, we are, we are, Cleveland Clinic caregivers through and through it. And we're here for, for, um, permanent relationships, long-term relationships, but we do have, um, a model of more or less a three to four month, um, engagement, uh, that's broken up into phases of, um, you know, fact finding and initiation where we determine, um, the, uh, clinical Institute or the department's strategic goals, what the ground truth is of their people analytics. What can we learn from HRIS, um, about their trends? Then we do a full month of analytic forecasting, um, for those numbers where we do, um, some simple, you know, regression modeling where we, these are your capacity gaps, your capacity surpluses by unit and by role. Here's what it looks like two years from now, if nothing changes. We can also tweak that based on scenarios for us. Um, healthcare turnover is something that, you know, we, we stay on top of and tweak those models, but then we also, um, uh, work with some external vendors to forecast talent market trends, uh, and also technology change, um, and, and how that would impact our workforce. So we're able to, within six weeks, uh, come back to the leaders. Uh, usually less, come back to the the leaders of um, an institute uh, or a department and say, here's what your workforce looks like in, let's say, two years or three years. And then compare that to, here's what we've heard from you that your workforce needs to look like two to three years from now. And it usually demonstrates a very clear delta, right? And then then we transition into attacking the problem. Uh, we We have a very... We have a very clear delineation of this is the forecast, this is the difference between what you're going to have and what you're going to need. And so now 
we start working on solutions. Um, and we have a, a, a process that we do for, like I was talking about earlier, going through that process of external capacity, internal capacity, technology redesign. We run that uh, several times until we get that delta down to as close to zero as possible. And so then what are the things that we did? What are the opportunities that we looked at? Was it um, compensation adjustments? Was it bespoke benefits? Was it uh, establishing a new talent pipeline through an academic partnership? That's just one of those four. That's just external talent. Um, mm -hmm. You just, you keep attacking that gap. That's, I think, the name of the game for strategic workforce planning for the foreseeable future. You're going to have a gap. You got to attack the gap and how you do it. Um, so that's what we're doing right now. Um, but we're, we're refining as we go. Well, let me jump in there if I may, because as you attack these gaps, as you shared, uh, there are, and I heard you use the word scenarios and associated with scenarios are certain probabilities. And so how comfortable are your internal stakeholders, those that you are serving with dealing with this ambiguity? Are, are they embracing that? Do they understand it? Or do they want you to come with answers and say, just tell me what to do? They definitely want silver bullets. They want magic yeah. wands, but yeah. I don't blame them, right? Yeah. If you think about what they've been through <clears throat> over the past two years, I mean, they have high hopes. When I, when I come and I say I have data and I have, you know, plans, you can't begrudge them for wanting a simple solution right now. Right. So um, it's, it's change management because they're also used to very data-rich environments, especially our chairs are doctors, our scientists. So, right. So they, they want to look at it six ways from Sunday and we can't have enough data on the future. There's no data on the future. So, <laughs> excuse me, a transition we've had to make is say, I can't predict down to the individual digit what your capacity gap will be, but I can tell you it's be big, right? So let's take that. Let's not wait until we know specifically in order to take an action. Well, yeah, so let's talk about the data in uh, the balance of our time here. And if you're listening, you, by all means, ask questions. Um, so you mentioned external data sources. Obviously, you're uh, sourcing internally as well. You know, can you mention some of those or at least the type of data that is most meaningful to you, given the problem that you're trying to solve? And then I'm going to slip in this question, too, because you've used the term capacity. So I'm really particularly interested in, are you measuring capacity in, in some way? And that translated for me is, you know, at an individual level or a job family level, how much time is actually available for someone to do their priority work? What's the benefit of, of doing this in healthcare? We measure productivity barely. In the clinical space, not all industries will do that. So I have the benefit <clears throat> that I can measure employees' productivity very, very carefully. So we use that, we have that, but it only tells some things. In the most part, it tells you how well you budgeted. You know, it tells you, um, are your predictions correct? It doesn't tell you necessarily how that will change over time in the future. So I don't rely heavily on, on our internal data sources. I rely much more heavily on external um, analytics from uh, Talentner on uh, the Gartner product. We also partner with uh, Fathom, uh, the Australian AI company that allows us to forecast change of technology. Those are 
critical tools for us because if you only use your internal data, you only tell yourself things you already know. And then you also reinforce whatever um, assumption in your data. Whenever you use internal data, you're just um, sort of uh, reminding yourselves of things. You're not learning new things. So we invested heavily in external sourcing, external benchmarking to bring an alternate perspective. Um, and we used, utilize that heavily. Uh, let me just give you a clap on that because <laughs> I, you know, there's been so much uh, talk over the years around predictive analytics and prescriptive analytics. And personally, I've been jumping up and down. It's like, it, you know, they take the frequentist approach where you're just taking historical data within a system and you're predicting. So it's perpetuating patterns. And, you know, predictive policing is an example where that's been taken off the table in many cities because, again, it exacerbates a problem, arguably, as opposed to solve for it. So you're bringing in uh, other perspectives, other data that in turn allows you to have some disruptive innovations that are most appropriate, you know, for the system for which you're responsible at that point in time. So, you know, with that, the external data, is that primarily for use for your team? And then you package it in a way that's consumable for your internal customer? Is that right? Correct. Yeah, it's, it's um, not client facing, I would say. <clears throat> My team uses it to do our forecasts, but then also to identify the opportunities that we should be taking. Mm -hmm. Role redesign is a, a perfect example of that. Because we're so specialized, we're just trying to find what is the potential unlock. We don't rely on the data to, you know, to be that silver bullet. We mm -hmm. just want to find what's the thing that we never considered before. That's what external data can, can bring. Well, yeah, I'm, I get, I'm getting this question and it's actually a good segue. And Jamie, I see your question as well. But Evan, uh, here's one publication that I just brought up and I will let you comment on it, AJ. It's a, an article uh, you wrote and it's on strategic workforce planning there at the clinic. Do you, any highlights that you want to call out here? I think <clears throat> the reason we wrote this was to to stake of how proactive this needs to be. Traditional workforce planning is so agile and reactive in a good way. But if you're waiting for the problem to come to you, you're going to be too late. Your talent acquisition function will not be able to hire fast enough. <clears throat> and your training function will not be able to create content fast enough. This is all about forecasting the future and taking action now. And it takes some guts. It's got to be bold. This is where I would say you need to think about selectively outcompeting your competitors, right? Where you say, we're going we're gonna to pick some things where our workforce value proposition will beat our competitors by a, a bit, right? By a significant amount. You need to make choices. That's what we're doing at the clinic is we are using forecasts to make choices. I died a lot of time in my career trying to predict the future. And I think the future is actually more about choice. It's about if you understand what the drivers are at work, you choose your future and then you create it. Our CEO, Dr. Malayevich says that all the time, invent the future. So I would advocate, don't look for this data and these benchmarking and these, these sources and publications to tell you the future. They won't, they can't. Um, nobody can. I would say, be smart about what the current trends are. Um, and then determine who you want to be as an organization and invent it. 
uh, and be smart about inventing it, but create your own future. You won't hear a lot of analytics people tell you that because analytics is supposed to be able to reveal the future and everything, but it can't. It can just yeah. give you a window. It can give you a pretty good generalization and it can do scenario planning. But really, you want to be able to allow your executives, your leaders to say, I want to have the workforce that's the best place to work in healthcare. And you say, great, I have five ways to do it, right? Yeah. Let's plan it out, right? Yeah. And then here's the workforce you need to make that happen. That's strategic workforce planning. It's not predicting the future. It's about creating a pathway um, to, to their strategic goals. Uh, absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. A couple more things, but before we wrap here and yep. in response to, uh, you know, how you learn and, and innocent, I'm going to give you a shout out. This was his reply. So I appreciate, <laughs> appreciate you for that. Um, but, uh, there's a, uh, question that came in from Jamie. Um, what amount type of data is included in your models that is entered or provided by employees themselves? So I'm hearing, you know, cool. surveys, you know, are, you know, taking in their desires or ideas, you know, yeah. what are your thoughts there? In our modeling, none right now. It's all um, <clears throat> HRIS data, external economic data, and things of that nature, financial data. Um, but we do bring into account, we do have a workforce-wide survey uh, annual that we're, we're going to make it uh, more frequent, uh, more like a Pulse-style survey. I would say in terms of modeling, personal preference, I don't believe heavily in surveys. Um, for analytic modeling purposes, surveys to me are pragmatic in that regard. When you, whenever you ask someone a question, they are not just giving you the straight truthful answer. They're all also answering based on what they think you want to hear, uh, and how their day is going, right? Like that's just a, it's just a problem with asking a human a question. You're not going to get a hundred percent of the truth, even if they're trying to be truthful and, and complete. So I believe more in observing behaviors. Uh, to bring into modeling. So, you know, looking at your exit survey data is, is very useful, but you know, if, if you're looking at what the person says is the reason that they're leaving, you could dig into that to, there are ways to figure out, is that really the reason that they're leaving? Where are they going? Yeah, they're, they're voting with their feet, voting with their behaviors uh, in terms of how they're thinking and feeling. So yeah, I totally get that. Well, hey, I know as we're starting to wrap up, I just want to, you know, highlight something that uh, you, that's core to what we're doing, that you all are hiring there <laughs> at Cleveland Clinic. So I just want to, you know, make sure that if you're in the field uh, that you highlight the career page there at Cleveland Clinic. But the broader question here that I want to ask you as we start to wrap is what does your team look like and where do you see it going? Uh, because you mentioned that yeah. this is increasingly about the future of work. It's not just about uh, workforce planning as a discrete activity. You know, what right. are your thoughts there? Yeah, workforce planning is the <clears throat> our natural entry point to this, but I see big things ahead for this function. We're relatively large. Um, team. There's 15 of us uh, doing strategic workforce planning, <clears throat> but we're also a workforce of 70,000 all over the world. So it's a, it's a complex task, but I think the more that we work, the more we'll be focused on what is the future of healthcare provision? What is the future of nursing? What is the future of telehealth, right? Not to figure out the medicine of it or the science of it, but the people of it, mm -hmm. the people side of it. Um, 
workforce planning should be as crucial as a business strategy, a finance strategy, a real estate, R&D strategy. Um, but usually it, it takes a back seat and it's done retro, retrospectively, right? After a business decision has been made. I want to get ahead of that because our, our workforce is our crucial, it's our center of gravity. It's our, it's our um, most important asset, obviously. So I see strategic workforce planning and future of work becoming synonymous uh, within a few, within a few years for, for my team. Wow. Well, AJ, thank you uh, so much for sharing. And I look forward to how, to hearing how it evolves over the coming months and years, because obviously this challenge is not going away. It, arguably, it might be becoming more acute. So we need innovative approaches uh, like you're sharing. How can people learn more about you and what you're doing there at the clinic? We publish a lot on, on LinkedIn. You, you mentioned that article that, that I wrote uh, for the clinic. Um, we're also creating a, a narrated animation video um, that explains what we do that we're hoping to publish in the next week or so. Uh, that, that is a little bit fun, but also s simplifies workforce planning at the, at the clinic. Um, but uh, 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 feel free to follow us on, on LinkedIn. We're, we're pretty active um, and uh, hope to be posting more of our findings as we go. All right. Well, AJ, thank you again. Really appreciate you and congratulations on what you're achieving. I know there's a lot of work to be done. I know in our discipline, we don't get a lot of high fives and kudos. So for my, you know, little position, you know, I honor your work and, uh, you know, well done and, uh, best of luck to you moving forward. Thanks so much, Al. This was fun. All right. Likewise. All right. Be well. Bye.